Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Millwall fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tinned fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them, you can DM me at Actong Millwall, and I'll pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub, at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. You're listening, of course, to the number one Millwall podcast. Speaking to us today is a special guest. It's Mr. Phil Clark. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hi, Nick. How are you? Well, I'm 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 fine. I was fine with the Gary Rowett project until I got a, a, a WhatsApp message from you the other night, which got me thinking. And um, I, it's a bit of a follow-on from the nil-nil draw, really, listeners, that we had the other night because on the the post-match podcast, I think Aaron and and Michael and myself were talking. I don't know if we were being positive or, or, or what really, Phil, but um, there was a certain degree of um, trying to, to, to maybe put the best spin on on the current form of, of the side. And maybe just to start us off, Phil, if I can, I'll, I'll just read out the um, uh, the message that you sent me, which which was... <laughs> I, I, I do love a good rant WhatsApp yeah, message, listeners. No, words in there, wasn't there? <laughs> no, it's not. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll um I'll, I'll edit those out. So anyway, um, now you sent me a message saying thanks to the the podcast, and you may have spotted that you're in the 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 boring camp. I'm taking that to mean Phil that you're finding the current form, like many of us, um, current football somewhat boring to to the eye. Would that be a fair description? Yes, I think that would be fair. I'm not. I need to stress. I'm not row it out. Okay. It's important to put that in there because I think um, I'm I'm a bit ambivalent with managers. I don't get really attached to them. I don't think any of us grew up with posters of managers on our wall. Um, <laughs> Not on my wall, no. No, no. <laughs> uh, unless it was Sherry Lungi from... Uh, <laughs> Different, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's not really about wanting a manager out or in it's just more about wanting just to enjoy the football you know it's a time of it's a time in everybody's situation where we just need to be cheered up and entertained a bit yeah and it, it, it was, it's interesting you messaged me because actually it was a, a point i wanted to try and 
touch on the other night that we didn't get to it and and, and then coincidentally your uh, message came through it made me think of it again because um I, I often struggle with the kind of um the rather deep philosophical point of, as football fans as football supporters as payers of money fundamentally are we are we entitled to be entertained or is it like Jack Cholton once said you're here to watch football if you want entertainment you stick a film on you know it, it's it's a it's a hard fundamental question isn't it if if, if the, the, the squad is where it's at at the moment um I would call it probably a transition from a Neil Harris era into something else I don't know quite what maybe we'll come to that but there was probably going to be limits to the amount of entertainment that squad can produce. How do, how do you see the state of play at the moment? Really difficult one. I think you, you know, if you liken it to theatre productions, they either go on and run forever, like Lion King or 39 yep. Steps or whatever it is, uh, or Mousetrap, uh, or they disappear very quickly, you know, and there's several that have come to the market, you know, with big fanfare and after, you know, eight weeks they've disappeared. Yep. Um, I think entertainment is part of it. You know, there is no market for Millwall if there are no supporters, um, you know, that, it's just how it is. So I think, you know, I'm not saying we have a right to be entertained. I think the, the club and the team have a right, have a responsibility to try to entertain people watching them. I, I I know where you're coming from, and I, I I instinctively agree with that perspective. And I and I, I you then go on to pose a, a very good question, which I, I've struggled to answer, and I had to go back quite a long way to answer this, listeners. Uh, Phil asked, "You'd love to know when the when the last uh, game that we Mill played with genuine attacking attacking intent, and where we played well." I suppose, and I've noticed online today, there's a few uh, responses here and there, but most people are picking out the Forest away game which will be pretty much a year ago now since... Yeah, it's the obvious since... target. It's the last one we were kind of allowed to as well, which, you know, let's be honest, watching football on telly is never exciting. You know, not not very... the way we play it, no. No, uh, but even even in the Premiership, there's very few games you can sit down for 90 minutes and not get drawn to looking at the newspaper or your phone <laughs> where it's just end-to-end -end <laughs> enthralling because it's just not how games are played nowadays. Um, so I don't want to sort of create some utopian image of what football should be like, but... I would call like the way we're playing at the moment very attritional. Yes, yeah, a good choice of words, um, and perhaps we'll come back to that that in a moment. But I just, the the last time that we won decisively at home, which I um, I sent as a reply back to to field listeners, was uh, the last three nil win, decisive home win. I'm excluding that four one win over Huddersfield at the end of the season. I don't think that really counts as a as, as a game particularly. But uh, we beat Ipswich 3 0 back in 2018 at home, which is. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's the last time we, we, we gave anyone a stuffing. I mean, I know we beat, I think it was Luton 2 0, didn't we, on, on New Year's Day? Yeah, um, beat Preston away this year, which again was a you know good result. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, there's not been good results in the last 12, 24 months, because there have been. It's mm. just kind of whether they've been entertaining. Well, that's what I that's what I took your point to be. When was the last time that we had a good Millwall stuffing of the opposition, where we they were kind of sent packing from South Bermondsey, um, you know, with um, you know trouserless and 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 you know uh, being mocked, and you've got to go back that far, which is an interesting point because that goes back to the Harris era, um, which was a, one type of football, wasn't it? That was that was what I would call um, full on League One. Neil yeah. Harris. I think, I think the Leeds away game, I don't know. Did you remember the 4-3? 4-3. 2-0 up, 3-0 yeah. down, 4-3. I mean, that was 
That was a quality yeah, was, game. Yeah, that was an amazing game. It was brilliant to be at. It was entertain. It was everything you'd want from football because obviously we won. But even to be fair, when we lost at Norwich four three, when the reverse happened to us the same season, perversely, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Although it was frustrating to lose, you know, I can still appreciate a good game. I think, I mean, the the point that struck me as I was thinking about this um, and, and, you know, looking at some of the social media comments on um, on the Tuesday night um, after the Watford game, people are saying they're bored. Gary Rowett plays boring football and, you know, we, we live in the modern era where there's other forms of entertainment and people can, you know, can get it quite easily. Um, I, th- I think there's a, there's, a, there's a thing with football and to some extent, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but for some extent last Saturday against Bristol City, where we finished up getting beat 3-0 and in the end, you know, widely panned for that performance. But in fairness to the Lions, that we, we started out with a reasonably open approach to the game. Um, now, you can talk about the quality of the side and, and whether the players should have done better. But we did start out with... Um, some degree of end-to-end football. I mean, I'm not saying this was any kind of classic, but it was it was it was an open game, um, and we got beat. We got stuffed by the end of it. So, is there my 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 response to those that say Gary Rarick plays boring football, which there was plenty of them on on Twitter, is that if you play bo- um, open football, attacking football, then you have to take that with the knowledge that you're probably going to maybe win one but lose one too. Probably at the moment, with the squad that we have, you're going to lose more than you win. And as a football man, Rowett is a football man, his brief is not to lose matches first and foremost. And we've only lost seven games all season. I, I, it's a It's a conundrum, isn't it? I would counter that by saying we've drawn 12 out of 27. Which, if we'd have won six and lost six, by your theory of win some, lose some, yep. we'd be a whole lot better off. Touche. Um, and by the way, I, I, you know, I think um, we did start with an attacking intent, but it quickly dissipated and we ran out of ideas and then we just reverted to lots of bodies behind the ball, make it awkward, stifle play. Um, yeah, close it down. Which is, yeah, yeah, close it down, which is, which is generally what, you know, I wouldn't say some of this stuff is massively different from what was happening under Harris, to be fair. I, I mean, the Harris performances at the end when we got to Luton away and stuff like that weren't significantly different to Coventry at home, were they? I mean... No, no. I mean, I, I think the Neil Harris... Is it was it a Neil Harris philosophy? Shall we give it such a grand term? I don't know. It was it was traditional Mill four four two, wasn't it? It was Steve Morrison up front, hit the big man. You know, you, you you could have substituted Paul Moody for for Steve Morrison, and you know you're, you're back to a you're back to the Neil Harris yeah. classic side of of, of two thousand when we got promoted. So the football wasn't terribly different, and and played to the max, played in front of a rabid den crowd. Um, it's what we know and love, what we've been brought up with, and we all love it. But the problem with that kind of football, in the end, in my opinion, is that it won't win you the championship. It 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 it, it hasn't yet for us. Maybe in '88, but that's a different era. Yep. But that 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 style of football ran out of legs, um, and it ran out of legs badly under Neil Harris towards the very end of his reign. So, to me, and I'm interested to know what what any listeners, but yourself, obviously now, think that if is there a project there, there must be there's there's a there's a desire to change from that gung ho four four two get it forward bosh 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 approach 
to something else. I don't know if there's a plan as to what that is at the moment, but there's a, there's a desire to change away from that, which is what we've seen um, at the start of this season with Gary Rowett. The, the kind no, of, that, that was that was kind of where I picked up with your with your last show with the guys because um, uh, which I thought was a brilliant show and really interesting. Um, you know, everybody's talking about there's a you know the project and a plan. And I'm sort of mm. thinking really good if we kind of understood what the plan was because how do we know whether we're on the right path how do we know whether to be patient or whether our patience should have run out you know nobody really knows what the objective is and you know perhaps as fans we're not supposed to know that but um if we're being asked to go on that journey to transition it would be helpful to know because you know two wins in 17 you know yeah 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 no that's right and that no. is, you know, and if that's part of a project, then fine. You you take that into account and you live with it and you say, well, we get to the end of this season. But the reality is that at every club route's ever been at, he's been a very negative manager. So what is the end of the project that's going to see Gary Rowett play a different style of football that's going to get you, you know, if the goal is promoted, as you just said, Neil's form, form of play wouldn't get us promoted and that suggests that you know we're asking Gary to get us promoted eventually what is that going to look like um you know you've got to add in that we've got we just we're in a transfer window now where we've made one addition we might be lucky to make one more I suspect if you know between yeah. now and the weekend Fair but, wind, that yeah. might, but that might not happen yeah then you've got the summer window you know he's not going to be able to make more than two or three maybe four changes in that window because the budget's just never there. So really you could be looking at two or three more windows till he can properly change the squad. That would then mean, what's that, another 18 months? That would make this his longest job by some considerable distance. You know, he's 16 months in at Mirwall. He did 29 months at Burton, 26 at Birmingham. Hmm. Those are his two longest jobs. And that, they're not criticisms. They're just observations that, you know, I, I sense that he's a manager who comes into a club and does really well with someone else's team but when it then comes to building a team it's a different challenge which I think is what's happened a bit at Chelsea with Lampard when he didn't have to transfer anyone last year he got a tune out of some great players did really well suddenly he's got a whole load of new 200 million pounds of the new players and it's a much harder a different job I mean I I, I take your point entirely I, I think I don't know. We're not, we're not inside the head of, of uh, Gary Rowett, so you know, um, and he probably wouldn't give a straight answer if we were to get the chance to to ever pose that question to him. But I imagine knowing Millwall, and you know, you and me have both been around the track a few times at Millwall. We're not a sacking club particularly, unless we really are driven to it, unless relegation is is um, you know we're staring down the barrel. That's what really forced, I think, um, Neil Harris's um, position out in the end because we were looking like relegation candidates mm. um we don't really look like relegation candidates this year's phil do you I, I, do you think i uh no i think there's teams well i want to say that and then you see rotherham win last night quite convincingly um uh three nil mm. bit of a burrow wasn't it I, I i just think you know and you've you've hit on something that also is quite interesting because maybe this is a season where everybody just needs to cut everybody a bit of slack because players aren't getting the proper rest it's um you know, we don't know what's going on in the managers' families or uh, the players' families with people being affected by you know, COVID and stuff. So there's a lot of reasons why, but um, you know, you can you know you can cut people some slack. But I think the end result is we probably will stay up this season because on you know 27, 30 points already. You know, I can't Oof, see yeah. us. 
50 know, points is the Neil Harris mark, isn't it? For, for yeah, and I don't think this season will be like that because I think there'll be teams at the bottom that will struggle probably to get above maybe 42, 45 points this year. So I think, you know, we're, we're probably, you know, well on that path to safety. But I don't want to get, you know, I think somebody mentioned it on your show the other night. I don't want to get there, but I just draws every week, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, we, we state the bleeding obvious, Nick. Um, we, we're not scoring goals for Toffee. We cannot buy a, I mean, we've got one striker... Um, who looks like he knows what he's doing? That's Matt Smith. Um, I was just looking at the the stats as as we joined the um, the Zoom call. So our top scorer this season is Jed Wallace on six goals uh, with three assists. Um, that's from twenty four starts. Um, second place is Matt Smith, Phil, with four uh, four goals. Yeah. Uh, three assists, which would be one of his, his not downs, I guess. But anyway, and that's, that's a miracle from about seven minutes of play in the season. <laughs> well, absolutely, eight starts and sixteen as substitute. Now, yeah. you know, you you and me both know that the criticism of the Matt Smith approach is that you have to build a team around um, Matt Smith because you've got to get the, the ball out wide. You've got to pop the, the ball in with some quality from the wings. You're probably really looking at Neil Harris four four two and and you know um, that style of approach, which Gary Rowett seems to um, seems to want or, or, or whatever the, the reason might be, wants to to get away from. Um, I, I, the the problem we'll have without Matt Smith and his late goals on based on five or six minutes at the end of each game is that we just can't score a goal for for no. Toffee and that costs that costs money, doesn't it? That's that's that it does. But I mean, you know, we're paying a lot of money for Zahor. I mean, interesting. I'd ask you, you know, how how do you feel Zahor's sort of fitted in and the part that he's played? He 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 looked when he joined us. I thought this this bloke looks sharp. Then he got injured. Um, I'm not sure we've seen the full Ken Zohor since he does. There's there's clearly a, a, a better quality foot of footballer there. Um, whether we are have the support play to to really bring the best out of him, I I, I don't know. Whether he's whether whether he's so good because this is the point I was going to make about Matt Smith. You wouldn't build a side around Matt Smith, would you? He's just not seen as that, you know, he's not a Glenn Hoddle. He's not a Lionel Messi. You build sides around great players. You don't build them around journeymen like um, Matt Smith. Do you really build a, a team around the, the Kenneth Zohors? I don't know that he's that great. He's, um, he's all right. He's, um, mm. <laughs> he's pretty good by Millwall standards this season because otherwise, I mean, someone made a great point on online that Tom King for Newport has scored more goals than um, yeah, yeah. John Daddy and and um, you know uh, Troy Parrott and, and so on. So you know, it's a, it's a it's a harsh but true point. So to, I mean, Zohor looks like he knows how to play a certain style. He holds the ball up well. They've commented on TV on the. Yeah, you know, he's not a man that you play the ball in like a Matt Smith where you're going to get the header, but he can shield the ball and lay it off. So you're going to need a certain type of support play to, to bring the best out of him or players like that. And, and Zohor looks like a more modern player. I can imagine Matt Smith fitting into the classic Millwall sides of the past, can't you? I mean, I... Definitely, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And Zohor's got great touch. He's you know, seems to have good vision. He does hold the ball up really well. You can just see how you could play it into him and he holds people off and he can get through two or three challenges and release the ball. You know, and you'd be, you know, for a defender, if you've got a striker who can hold it up just for 10 or 15 seconds, which doesn't sound like very much, but that's mm -hmm. the difference between being on the edge of your box and being able to get 
you know, up close to the halfway line. Um, yeah, it makes a huge difference. I was doing. I was just noticed. I'm doing John Daddy Budvarsen a disservice and Mason Bennett. I think I said that um, Tom King had scored more. They're actually equal. They're both equal. <laughs> one goal each. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But so I think you, the, the problem is a whore for me is he's just not doing enough off the ball. Which for for a team that is very defend first, um, I think he's you know I think he's very static. But anyway, that, that's, it was just an interesting point to see how you what you thought about him because you know, he scored a couple of goals and he does look very good but it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere near the best out of him at the moment no i mean to, i mean just reading through um the message i mean is, you're asking um or you're saying that get has never played attractive attacking football he's never that's never been the reputation of the man he's always left clubs in you know under a slight cloud isn't he apart from birmingham i think he got the sack at birmingham yeah. when they were quite happy with him um the style of play, I, I don't know. I'm going to guess, because I don't know, I'm going to guess that we probably can't afford the ruthless kind of finishing that the very, very top-level strikers will produce. Um, we probably can't afford that kind of striker, and other than our old dear Matt Smith, who doesn't really fit the bill other than the, the, the traditional Millwall approach, you know, the, the wide the wide men and flying wingers and all that kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to guess that the the Rowett project, if it, if there is a project, I hope there is. <laughs> I hope there is because it seems a bit of a, a grind otherwise, doesn't it? Yeah. But there was there was a style, Phil. When when the season started towards the end of last season, the see as this season started, where we were seeing, um, you know, kind of uh, zany moments like Jake Cooper flying down the wing and you oh, know I've written here, yeah, Charlton. Do you remember when he suddenly popped up in the edge of the box and yeah. Shot in, and that—that's that, what I was going to say. Where has that all gone? I—I <laughs> I think it's been ground out because there's clearly issues within. The, I don't think there's a level of quality in the squad since the the exit of Jason Malumbi. I know we we mustn't talk about him because he's gone now. It's like your ex girlfriend that you keep yearning for that won't come back. Um, we we don't really know what Kifton Belt's going to do for us. He looked pretty good the other night. I thought he might be um, you know a, a great mill figure. Whether he's going to be as good as the George Savills and the and the um, the Jason Malumbis, I, I don't know. That's a bit of an open question because that's those two players brought midfield quality on an unfamiliar level from Mill from a Mill perspective because that's not what we've had for a long time. We you know we're used to grafters and blokes that will, will do the hard lifting, but we're not used to the the, the blokes that have the, the vision and touch. I'm hoping Kifton Belt brings a little bit of that with him. I don't know if you detected any hopeful signs of that the other night. In the, in the uh, difficult to say in that game. I mean, look, Rowett's had him at Derby, um, tried to sign him at Stoke. He obviously, you know, he, he mentioned something in the in the interview that he did, Rowett, didn't he? He said something like, you know, I trust him and he brings discipline. And yeah. I just thought there were a couple, of, I'm pretty sure they were the words he used. And you just sort of think, you know, those things don't just get said. There's a message there, not just to uh, Kifton Belt and to the fans. There's a message there to the other players. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you look through the squad, I mean, even our own dear Ben Thompson, we we, we love him to bits, but I, 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 I don't think he has the quality for the level that we're going to, again, presuming there is a plan. We, we hope there's a plan. We, I think there is a plan. Um, I don't know that, that Ben has the quality that is going to be needed if we're looking to move to the level where we're going to be a top six mm. challenger, because that requires a certain type of um, technicality. It does. I mean, I think I think a couple of issues I see with Ben is probably, you know, not, 
you know, there's, there's people out there who, uh, and you probably have them on your show, that are football manager experts, and they'll talk about pivots and <laughs> half turns and four, three, one, two, five, three, two, five, two, three, six, seven, eight. Um, you know, at the end of the day, football in its rarest form is pretty simple. You stop people scoring goals and you score goals. That's the Brian Slack uh, approach. You know, and that's how you win games. You can, you can make it all fancy as much as you like, but those are the really simple facts. I, ju- I think in midfield, the game nowadays is built for bigger, taller, stronger players. Yes. You know, ben, ben struggles to stay on his feet because he's so quick to get everywhere and he's always chasing the game that, you know, I think he, he positionally his discipline isn't strong enough for what Rao it wants. And therefore he's, he's working so hard to impress. You know, he's almost working too hard. You know, and he ends up spending half his time on his backside, which is no good to anybody. You know, and I think actually a similar problem is the same with Woods, because, you know, Woods has got a lot of quality on the ball. He does. But off the ball, he doesn't cover any ground. He can't really challenge in the air, which is something Ben is good at. Um, Doesn't really cover enough ground to get tackles in quickly. Um, So it kind of feels like, you know, if, if Woods is doing that at the back and you've got, say, someone like Zahor up the front who's not really pressing greatly in the way say Gregory used to yeah. you carry, you're starting to carry people already yeah and I, I wonder that that comment that Rowett made there about wanting players that he can trust such as Kifton Bell and he, again it's we might be reading a load into one yeah. one appearance but you know he, he's come um with, with he stepped Bur- straight into the team Nick so I think that tells you something he stepped straight into the team he's looked like he's been in the team all season Birmingham fans are crying because he's he's, he's gone and you just get a sense that there's a bloke that you know what you're going to get. He's going to give you that Kifton Belt performance every game. And I think that's probably what Gary Rao is, is meaning when he can't. When he says he wants players he can trust. Because I mean, Mason Bennett, who I thought was a very talented, he's a very talented boy, but he just doesn't produce. And I think, you know, you could go mm. through... You've got a lot of hot, hot and cold players, haven't we, really? You've got Mahoney. Mahoney, when he's fit. Um it's the same. Malone, Scott Malone, to some extent. I mean, he's you know he, he looked better. He's looked better in the last few games, but you never quite know what kind of Scott Malone's gonna gonna show up. And I think, I I think so we're gonna. I'm stuck on this project idea, and I'm gonna try and build a project for Gary Rao, even if he doesn't necessarily have one. Um, but I think the project is that he wants players in allotted roles that will perform to, if not 100%, to 80 to 90 to 100% of what they're required to do. Because I don't think he can really say he's getting that at the moment from this, this current squad. And I think that's the problem. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Actual Normal. I hope so. I mean, I think that the, the key thing for me with whatever this project is, you know, I mean, what did, what did you think of Coventry's performance the other week when they beat us pretty comfortably? I thought they moved the ball quite fast and, and purposefully. They didn't look like world beaters, but I think that's because we allowed them. Yeah. We, we, we backed off of them. We didn't get into them. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, if, if if no one challenged us, we'd look pretty, pretty good. But, uh, yeah. you know, they, they did all right. I mean, I, you know, if I was a Coventry fan, God forbid, then I would be quite happy with what I saw there. But, I, their, I, but their intent and their style of play was move the ball quickly, get forward, you know. Down the flanks, yeah. Down the I, flanks, look to score goals. Now, I mean, that's a, that's a team that, you know, their wage budget in 2019 was under £5 million. You know, yes, so I, yeah. I'm just, you know, I always get concerned when, when everybody talks about, you know, our players aren't good enough. You know, I mean, how many times have I heard recently, you know, the problem with Ryan Woods is not Ryan Woods, it's the other nine players. You know, <laughs> well, we can't change the other nine players. And if we're building a team around Ryan Woods, who's not even our player because he's a lone player, then that would be a bit of a concern. And I think it's disrespectful to players like Cooper, Jed, you know, and there's a these are professional footballers. Who are playing these are good in, players. These are very these good players. Are, these are good. They can do. Mm. You know, this, this was the thing I noted when, when Gary Rowett first joined. The language changed massively from under Harris. You know, Rowett talked about um, uh, looking up. Yep. Everything was positive, and it was a real. You know, the first few press statements and interviews, it was a massive change in attitude from where Neil had been, where it was. You know, we're punching above our weight you know, poor little Millwall. And I'm just sensing maybe over this last few months, maybe Rowett's starting to fall into that trap. And we're sort of falling back into that, you know, the window's really hard. We can't sign anyone. You know, the BLM issue hasn't helped to sign players. We haven't got any money. Everyone else is, you know, we're waiting for all the big clubs to do their business because, you know, if we're in for the players the big clubs are in for, then we've got to be looking at the wrong players because we're never going to get them. No, we, we we we've we've historically not looked at the big signings. We've looked at players coming in from you know lesser lesser lights really coming in from from other or development from from home really. One thing I would criticise Gary Rowett for, and I'm, I'm not a Gary Rowett out man because I don't know what the alternative will be. Phil, to be to be honest, I mean I know that there's a clamour online that he's not the man for us, and you know that we need to to change horses. I I. <laughs> I don't know who else we'd get at this point in the season where we're not home and dry by any any stretch of the imagination. So, I, I, you know, that's just to nail my colours to the mast. One thing I would criticise Gary Rowett for, and, and um, I don't know how you feel, but we, we don't seem to promote youth. You know, I mean, look at that FA Cup game, which was, it's a free hit of a game, I think I called it online the other night. You know, it doesn't matter if we win it or lose it to some extent. If if, if we lose it with youngsters coming in, getting their first taste of, um, of 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 the professional game at this level, then you you, you don't mind it. But it, you know, we brought Scalac on for crying out loud. I don't get that. That's 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 an area that I do criticise him for. 
Yeah, it's a really difficult one because you have to assume that these people are closer to the players and um, Scott Fitzgerald, I think it is, isn't it, who runs the, yeah, uh, yeah. Runs the academy. And you would hope that they know whether, you know, they're good enough or not. Um, the pro- part of the problem is you never really know if somebody's good enough. And, to, you know, if if Danny McNamara hadn't had a good spell under um, Davidson up at St. Johnson, he mm. wouldn't be anywhere near the team. He wouldn't um, have been trusted to go out there. And that, that's... No. Um, you know, he's he's clearly gone to St. Johnston, which is a, a, a proper league. I mean, I know that Scottish yeah. football gets its um, snipes, but and he's come back a much, much better player. He's, 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 again, he looks like he's got that um, right back, right wing back, whatever you want to call it, position. That's his, until he, until he wants, you know, until it falls away from him, so to speak. So, you know, there's clearly talent in the sides, um, but we, we we don't seem to take opportunities to, to test them. them. Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think, the, I think, the, I think the cup game, the cup games were probably good examples. Absolutely. I think the problem in the league is when you're in the precarious position we're in uh, and you're not playing well, you're not really picking points up. Uh, confidence is low. If you then, you know, there's a clamour, you know, I've heard a few people talking about Abdul Malik playing up front. Mm. You know, you say, oh, I don't know if any of these people are talking about him or seen him. I saw him at Chelsea last year. And I mean, clearly he's a talented player, but the, the the difference between a 17, 18-year-old playing against other 17, 18-year-olds and then coming into a side playing against a Sean Hutchinson or Jake Cooper, yeah, you could yeah. probably, you know, almost knock him out with one turn of their hip. It's just <laughs> physically, it's just a very different thing. Some players, you know, can do that, you know, can make that step up really quickly, like Rooney, who was always considered to be, you know, like the, the, the build of an adult, a man yeah, before, yeah, bef- yeah. before his time. But there are a lot of the young lads who just can't do that you know, who aren't physically ready and they haven't filled out and they don't have that physical strength. So they come in, get a taste of the game, manager sees that they're not quite ready and then they go back out. And, you know, I think what we need to be doing is making sure that if we do believe these players have got talent, they are getting these opportunities to go out on loan and quite frankly, go to St. John's and other places, get roughed up, learn what it's like to play, you know, in a man's game yep. and then see how they cope you know because you're not i don't think you're really going to find out a lot by just keeping them in the under 23s for five years no no you're not um just as you as you speak i'm just looking at the um the, the scoring and the assist table and some way down for an experienced midfielder ryan woods has one assist no goals just one mm. assist for goal you know not his game, really, is it? Not his game. No, 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 no. That's anyway. That's just that's just an aside. Just, yeah. just my eye just fell upon that. I, mean, um, I think that's the you know talking about that. Though, I don't know what what what's, have you got Ryan Woods's statistics there in terms of his kind of assist because he's the player everybody's thinking is the creative. Well, let's have a look. Um, twenty Ryan Woods, twenty three appearances, three as a substitute, uh, no goals. One assist and six yellow cards. That's that's the right. uh, that's the list on on here. I mean, this, this is from Mill history. It might not be bang up today. There was no, no it's great, probably close. No great in, incident on Tuesday night. So I can't think it's going to be terribly different to that. Uh, I mean, he picks a very good pass, but I think quite often what we're what we're dazzled by with Ryan Woods is when he picks the ball up in front of the back three and then pings a twenty or a thirty yard diagonal across the pitch, and you think, oh, that's good. You know, but I then just look back and I think, well, six months ago, Jake Cooper was doing that <laughs> and nobody liked it. And now we've swapped Ryan Woods doing it for Jake Cooper. You know, mean, why, you... don't we, why don't we get a centre-half who can play a bit more ball play and then have our midfielders pushing up a little bit? Because really, he's kind of like a, he's almost like a 
forward sweeper. You know, he sit, instead of sitting behind the back three, he sits just in front of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, you posed the question, and it's a, it's a very good question, to which I don't have any answer. When can we expect improvement? I, I am hoping. Um, I, I don't think I can offer much hope other than blood, sweat, and tears for the remainder of this season to listeners. Um, I think what we're seeing is what we're going to get. Uh, unless we happen to sign some genius forward that's going to bang in goals left, right, and centre. Well, I, I, mm. I, I, I don't so. think it's just that though, Nick, because you know that's why I brought Coventry up because it's it's not just about going out and signing, uh, you know, a, a young Harry Kane or whatever. I think it is about intent. You know, I don't feel as a supporter and a viewer that our intent quite often is actually to go out and score goals. I know that it probably is clearly, but it doesn't feel that. You know, too often, you know, we get the ball and we look to turn backwards or, you know, how many times in the last month have I seen Jed go on runs and then, you know, instead of going for goal or taking a mm. shot from 25 yards, it's, oh, I'll hold the ball up, I'll wait for everyone to join me and I'll lay it off, you know, or or perhaps, you know, in other positions, it's like, oh, I've been told I've got to give the ball to Ryan Woods, you know, and everything suddenly stops and the ball goes back to Ryan Woods because it's all got to be played through, you know, that style and that's what i'm saying about coventry they haven't got huge budgets but their style and their intent was to attack yeah and we've always been an attack you know when i look back at the sides with jimmy carter and God, even steve anthropus or george lawrence or um phil walker uh all the way through to geordie um you know we were an attacking team yeah i, I love we're not <laughs> I love the way Steve Antropus crept into that high, highfalutin company. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 a lot of running in him. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I mean, I suppose it, it gets to the question. I mean, we've we've we've, we've touched it already. Row it in or row it out. Um, I mean, we've both kind of nailed our colours to the mast in that I don't I think as much because I don't know what the alternative would be I mean some people talk about you know you, you start plucking names from the air don't you if the, if Rowett was I, I, think, I just want him, I just want a change in philosophy I don't as I said I don't really care who the manager is that's for the club you know I want mm. to see my team attack other teams I think Watford the other night were there for the taking to a degree. Whenever we put the ball into the box, they looked, they looked at sixes and sevens. Yeah, you know? I agree. And then you saw, and, and the pitch, so this is how I think of it, okay? And I've managed Saturday afternoon rubbish teams and Sunday, you know, so mm. it's not comparable in any way, shape, form. But I look at that pitch and I think, why are we, in the last 20 minutes, why are we trying to play football on it? You know, get it in Zor the air. Yeah. Zahor should have stayed on, Matt Smith up front, you know, and you talk about delivery. Well, the person who's probably delivering the best balls at the moment is Danny McNamara. You know, he's been putting in some great little crosses. Well, I agree with Danny Mack, but I mean, the quality of our crossing generally... Oh, it's know, shocking, yeah. The number of corners, the number of free, you know, dead balls where you think, oh, now this is where we want to exploit uh, Jake Cooper. We've got Sean Hutchinson as a, another threat and we've got other players, you, you know, if, if Smith's in, involved, then we, we have an aerial threat and yet we don't seem to exploit it or use it. And that, like it or not, comes back to the manager because he's the man that sets the, sets the tone. Um, the quality of our crossing has been awful this season, Phil. It has, it has. And, you know, and, and I think tactically, the thing that I've been frustrated with, it feels like at times our preparation for games hasn't been as tight as it was a little while ago. You know, you think we went to Forest, everybody says it, how great a game it was and how everyone enjoyed it. Well, how did we beat them? You know, generally speaking, we beat them because Matt Smith 
terrorized them in the air and caused all sorts of panic which just led to opportunity and um play from elsewhere on the pitch you know yeah so when we play forest again we don't play that way. Don't do that, no. You know, and they're, they're renowned for having a keeper who, you know, can't catch a cold. I mean, he was awful in the air. He's he's such a liability and he's so emotional, their keeper. And we never put him under any aerial pressure whatsoever. Do you think, is it your impression, and we have nothing to go on, and I don't I don't have any insight into this, and I don't know if you have any more insight, but is Gary Rowett a thinking man in this in this sense? Because a lot of these criticisms come back to him because he is the manager. He sets the, he picks the team, he sets the tone, um, he makes the substitutions. Um, he is he is the man in the in the hot seat. Um, is he? A, you don't get a sense, and I think sometimes this is a flaw of football men, as inverted commas, that they don't, they, they have their stubborn ways and they stick to it and they don't, don't see the evidence of their own eyes. Um, I find it quite, quite, um, quite odd. It's a good one to answer because we don't really know. And it's a bit, you know, I feel a bit sorry for Adam Barrett at times because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, ever since Davison went, it's not the same, mm. you know, but I, I think because things got quite bad under Neil, um, the fact that Adam is kind of a leftover from that era, he's always going to be tainted by yeah. the way, you know, and I do think actually, you know, it may have been better if we'd have, you know, brought different coaches in, but that's just, you know, it's just an opinion. That's not based on whether he's in, he's probably brilliant. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting that, you know, challenges, you look at how St. Johnston are playing, you know, I've read a number of their match reviews and stuff like that. And a lot of them are very, very positive. You know, they, you know, it's basically saying that, you know, they're not getting the results their performances deserve. Okay. okay. Um, and I think what you tend to find with teams like that is eventually it breaks for them and, you know, it falls into place, be it Luck one or two plays itself, yeah. or, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> whether there's a project to plan or, or any of these things, I mean, ultimately, you know, for me, it's just a plea to, to Gary Rowett to entertain us, to attack teams and try to score goals rather than have so many men behind the ball that we can't get <laughs> forward and we're always hoping just to nick one on the break. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but that's not, you know... That's not no, much no, it's, it's, it's not doing much for my um, my, my, my entertainment levels. That's, yeah. that's for I mean, sure. this is like this is like this is like the you know the COVID situation. You know, people you know thinking, well, if if this if this is the last eighteen months of my life being cooped up indoors, <laughs> don't want it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, rejecting it, and it's kind of you know, and this is you know, I, I, I I'm sure most people you know would agree they just want to see you know half decent football and a team you know prepared to get on the front foot and have a go at other teams and try and get um, some positive results and, you know, maybe even score more than one goal. So a lot of, I mean, fundamentally, to not put it all in a nutshell, I mean, between our conversations uh, this afternoon, I mean, a lot of criticisms of Gary Rowett. Um, neither of us put ourselves in the, in the, in the Gary Rowett out camp. And it's interesting when I did run a very unscientific little poll that the majority weren't in favour of losing him. Um, but there's a lot of criticisms where you want change. I think that's that's a fair summary of, of the situation, Phil. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just you know I think you know I want to see us. You want to be excited, and I want to be excited a little bit and try and win a few more games. I mean, you you touched on um, our accounts and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you wanted to come to that at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking. I was just going to come on to it. Um, Phil was. 
um, produced me a, I've had, uh, listeners need to know that I'm a housing manager and instinctively I run a mile from a spreadsheet I, 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 we used to send spend hours looking at these and people reading all sorts of things into them and they used to dance in front of my eyes and not make any sense at all but he's produced me a spreadsheet of um, kind of headline figures from the club accounts really Phil aren't they They're... yeah it's just the last six years and it's very simple I'm not an accountant either but it just shows kind of our turnover our staff cost staff numbers so really basic data Mm. i mean if you go back to um you know if you go back to when harris took over from holloway 2015 yeah 20 yeah 20 the 2015 2016 season our wage budget was eight just under eight million pound that's wages for the whole club by the way because they they don't split that out um including staff yeah so it's all so it's yeah it's all staff um so that was eight million pound uh, for 146 staff, you know, we're now uh, in the latest accounts, we're now at just literally just shy of 19 million. So that's 12 million pound more yeah. in wages. That's a million pound a month. And that's for an extra five staff. So what, you know, without breaking it down, what it's basically telling you is we're paying a lot more money for our players. Cause I don't suppose that, um, you know, the back office staff have had uh, 130% pay rises in that time. No, well, good luck to them if they have. But I, mean, I think yes. right. I, th- I think that's that's player player costs. That's yeah. quite a figure, isn't it? Eight, call it eight million, give or take. And um, we're now on eighteen, nearly nineteen million pounds. That's that's yeah. quite a, quite a leap. And that nineteen million still probably puts us in the bottom five in the division. So you know, it's nothing to blow a trumpet about. But uh, you know, you have to look at that and think. At the same time, our you know our, our revenues gone from you know turnover's gone from maybe eight million to 16 in that time so that's doubled yeah um, i and can't you... imagine our revenue can keep going up significantly because you know we're you know the crowds are pretty decent you know not much is going to you know might make a few more hundred thousand merchandising so it, it, the only way that it, things will change significantly in terms of being able to pay more money therefore bigger wages transfer fees is either selling players or um by more investment. Yeah, yeah, fundamentally. I mean, you've, you've done an interesting, uh, uh, straightforward arithmetic, really, I suppose, dividing the number of staff into the into the staff costs and producing an average wage. This would include players, it include the groundsman and, you know, the lady on the front desk, all this kind of thing. So um, the average cost per staff member in 2016 um, was £54,700. The average staff cost member in... 2020 is 125,000 pounds and that's primarily going to be player wages I hasten to add before we start you know digging out the poor woman that answers the door or you know answers She's the definitely phone. not on 125 grand no no so I mean th- that raises an interesting question because I, I know that the championship in 2020-21 has a going rate you know you're not you 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 players at this level will cost a certain amount um despite the industry being in a in a in a in a lockdown like everyone else of course but you know there there are no um there are no paying customers at the den or uh, many other um championship level clubs and our tv income won't be on the same scale as the premier league of course so you know players have not basically players at this uh, you know at the mill one other clubs have not lost anything have they they've not they, their their wages have continued you might argue that there are not as many opportunities at other clubs i don't know because there's a cap in league one league two i don't know but um certainly wage wise um that's quite an, that's, that's quite an increase I, I have to say it's interesting to to see that um team management 
I don't know if I don't know if they break down admin and ground staff and, and team management. Um, but team management in 2016, there were 15 designated staff members as team management. And there's now 38. That's quite an interesting leap in numbers as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think if you, I've kind of split that out a bit. So if you look at the admin and ground staff, those numbers yeah. seem to have come down a bit. So I wonder whether perhaps uh, an, analysts or physios or whatever maybe have been now reclassified as team management. I mean, the, the only thing to really look at there, I thought, was the overall mm. number. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, um, you know, there's no doubt that in the five or six years, the, the you know, you've only got to look at the bench nowadays to see how different it was from when Harris first took over from uh, um, Holloway. I mean, it was basically Harris and uh, um, Dave Livermore um, yeah. and probably a physio, whereas now there's probably seven or eight people at least on the bench um, that aren't, you know, non-playing staff. Um, recruitment, so I guess. I don't used to be Alex Aldrich, didn't it? So, yeah, they, yeah. And, and you know, who, who's to say whether that's all, you know, whether that's better or worse? You know, there's better qualified people than me, you know, mm -hmm. I suppose. And this is where it all comes back to, regardless of the money, what people are paid, whether the chairman's prepared to put in loads more money or less money, whether Steve Kavanagh's doing a great job or not a good job. The only barometer I really have is whether I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, uh, well, sorry. Yeah, the only that matters to me is whether I enjoy. I can I can speculate on what players earn and whether it's all. Yeah. That. But the only thing that really, you know, is genuine and is factual to me is whether I enjoy it. And to be honest, I can't believe I'm in the minority by saying it's not really been very good to watch. Even the wins, you know, even the win the other night against Huddersfield the other week, you know, it's brilliant to win. The excitement of finishing the game with a result mm. after 15, 16 without, but it wasn't particularly great. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you and me both. I mean, I, you know, I, I, obviously we, we try to put as positive a spin on the podcast as we possibly can without without stretching the truth but it, it, you're right i mean I, I i love nothing more than the big nights at the den the the, the, the you know the, the the kind of uh the thrill of the of the moment that we used to have um that we all know so well put it that way and that's gone missing for some time i think probably the the, the takeout message from this to gary rower if he's listening is just try and get the ball out to the wings a bit more, get it into Matt Smith and try and get a few goals, Phil. Would you Would you settle for that? Uh, to be honest with you, there were some nights under Neil Harris where we played, you know, maybe classed as long ball. But I, I look at it, we went back, we went from back to front very quickly and it was really exciting. And we played, you know, it was enjoyable. It was exciting. We scored goals. Perhaps the games were a little bit more open. I remember a number of games we were 2-0 up at half-time and we ended up drawing two all yeah, yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. Went through a little spell of that. But it was still exciting, you know, and we drew playing exciting football, whereas now we're drawing with attritional, you know, uh, grimness, yeah. grimness um, <laughs> you know, and really eking out each game. And to be honest, I think it's more tiring for the players. You know, because I think mentally it's a lot more tiring to play this type of football where you really have to be incredibly disciplined when you all sit behind the ball like that. Because you see it, well, as soon as one player, you know, it happened against Bristol City, um, uh, you know, one player makes a mistake. I'm just trying to remember where they came from now. What, what was the game the other week? I think it was, might have been the Coventry game. Where twice Ryan Woods let the player onto his left foot. Yeah, yeah. There's been a few. I mean, you know, and that, that's what happens in these attritional games. You make an error. Yeah. are so fine that one yeah. error can, can be the difference. Um, and then when you're not really playing to attack, you haven't got any chance of getting back in the game. 
We still have a few days the transfer window to go. Let's 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 hope for the best. Let's do. Yeah. Well, the, the the positive is that you know this this is our fourth. If I'm not mistaken, this is our fourth season in the second flight, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So which is that, quite an achievement by Mills. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, I had a look at, yeah, I had a look at that. You know, ninety six to seventy five, we had nine seasons. Yeah. Um, twenty eight to thirty four, we had six seasons, and then since then it's been one season of four in the 90s and one season of five in the in the tens 2010s so you know we are you know we're getting into a place where it could be our second longest period ever in the um in the second flight which is you know no mean feat to be fair to put a slightly no. more optimistic view on it I, you know and i think we you know with a few adjustments here and there i think we could be set for another two or three seasons but um yeah well we'll, we'll see i mean we, we we wait to see the unfolding of the row at philosophy if there is one <laughs> let's hope there is as we said um, but we, we, we do try to finish on a positive note so um, big thank you to Phil for taking time out of his day and coming on the show thank you Phil pleasure absolute pleasure just uh, you know love the club love watching the football um, you know I, I think just like everybody want to want to want to celebrate a little bit more absolutely I second that I second that big thank you Phil Clark thank you for listening dear listeners and we'll be back at the weekend after the Cardiff City game for the next edition of Achtung Mill until then bye for now thank you for listening to Achtung Mill if you enjoyed the show please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review a reverdiction till next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.